Welcome to the Dog Dialogue by Cyclist Dog Skills, your ultimate podcast for all things dog. I'm Matt Donovan, and I'll be your guide through the fascinating world of canine companionship. Whether you're a seasoned caregiver or a newbie, join us for expert insight, heartwarming stories, and the joy of being part of a dog-loving community. Together, we'll explore the deep connections we've forged with our four-legged companions. Because when it comes to our four-legged friends, every bark, every wag, and every paw print tells a story. I'm really pleased because me and Nathan were just having a very quick catch-up before we went live and talking. So I first met Nathan. Uh, Nathan is a member of the APDT, Association of Pet Dog Trainers, as am I. And I first met Nathan on the Crufts stand for APDT before I was even um, a, a, a fully mem- full member of the APDT. He was doing some demos, getting his Spaniel Barney to do um, chin rests on the shoulder for selfies. And I was just transitioning out of uh, working with a balance trainer. And my mentor at the time, the incredible Adam Danes, as far as I knew at that point, was the only other chap that was treating dogs with kindness, respect, using reward-based methods and that sort of thing. And then I went to Crufts. So I was like, ah, Nathan, it's another man. <laughs> Excellent. And then, of course, you then get into the world and you start to understand that there are um, actually lots of men that want to treat their dogs with kindness. When, you know, the background I came from, it very looked like, very much looked like men wanted to do the heavy-handed, horrible stuff and, you know, but it's not the case. It's not true. There are lots of brilliant men, Nathan included, Adam Danes, Andy Hale, and so many others um, that want to treat dogs with kindness and respect. So for the first time in Slovember and on the Dog Dialogue podcast, because this is for both things at the same time, Nathan, welcome to Slovember and the Dog Dialogue. Thank you for having us. Nice to see you. Great to see you too. It's great to see. You. We were just talking about how busy the week's been, and you know Friday nights and that sort of thing. But we've got energy for this, and we're looking forward to it. And I was just talking to Nathan that actually, the the subject of this evening, which is talking about human change, um, is something that I've I understand, but in terms of models, practices, ways of working, is something that I very much know nothing about so i'm really looking forward to what nathan's got to say um feel free if you're watching this on the facebook live or even on replay uh put your comments in the feed if you're listening to this on the dog dialogue at the end there will be a box where you can put some questions into and i will get them to nathan um, and get a response for you and that'll be fantastic so nathan kick us off with a bit of a background about you because some people might not somehow might not know who you are well no, like essentially i am a bit like yourself i kind of looked at the world of dogs i wanted to know more and i went on that kind of learning journey which was kind of behavior change because i had my spaniel and i didn't know much about what i was doing and uh, the more i started to learn about reward-based methodologies i was just interested in the how and the why and this is very similar to human behavior change we've studied these things of why uh, why we do what we do and I did that with dogs for a long time and so after I'd worked through my APDT courses I then was like oh I want more <laughs> and so I started uh, a foundation university degree in applied canine behavior and training and that was three years and then I was like oh well, I want the BSc so I best do two more years so I did the canine behavior management degree uh, to top it up to a BSc and I just graduated a couple of uh months ago and I went on the beginning of November I went and got uh, graduated and actually got the old hat on and all the rest of it so that's quite good so essentially from there uh, the whole time that I've been learning I've been trying to run a, a small business um, a lot of time's been dedicated to uh, studying but at the same time now we're, we're just being able to go well, look I've done the practical I've done uh, a lot of theory stuff now and it's just focusing mainly on the practical now and um, so we have a small business with my my wife she's also now uh, a full member of the association of pet dog trainers uk yeah. uh, she got assessed earlier this year and and passed so it's really nice and you know bit similar to yourself with tam we've both got a very uh, similar keen interest in it um lose goes down the, the ace route a bit more and i um nerd out about uh, a lot of the science about why why we do what we do mm-hmm. 
Fantastic. So the company's called The Dog Log? Yeah, that's right. The idea originally, when I wasn't a trainer, or I was like thinking about it, was I wanted to kind of like have a log where I'd like learn about dogs and keep adding to the log and, and look at it. And then when I started training, I was like, no, this is appropriate because, um, you know, if we can keep a data and keep a log of what's going on, um, we can uh, have a better idea and understanding of where we were and where we're going to. Mm -hmm. And then there's also just because it's slightly like, sounds like a, a jobby joke, which is just for the kids, you know? Uh, and so what's the point of being an adult if you can't be childish sometimes? Absolutely. And you've got two dogs in your life, Barney that I've already mentioned, um, who I met, and your collie and the name. I love. It's I love Aaron. So this is Aaron. Um, he's for those on video that can see. Can you put your feet up here? Uh, this is Aaron right here, uh, and he's my eight-year-old uh, border collie, um, and he's taught me loads, which I love. Um, and he's yes, him and him and Barney at the moment are the dogs that are in our lives. Uh, the mother-in-law has a, a, a new puppy, so I'm you know, watching uh, puppy development really close again uh, from his point of view. But yeah, and, and probably soon in the future when the babies of the human babies have stopped being that, that bit, I'll probably look again to a new puppy in my life sometime. It'll be a big, big behavior change again. You know, talking about <laughs> just start the journey again, just like yourself with yours. Yeah, Rojo. Yeah, Rojo's what? Well, not, he'll be 19 weeks Monday. And the, just week to week, the changes that are going on and, you know, the development in him is just amazing to see. Um, I say to a lot of people, I say, and sometimes I say these words to, to support them. I say, uh, even for us trainers, puppies are hard. And it's been a while since I've been through it. But I was wondering from your point of view, somebody who is a trainer who's got a puppy right now, is it still hard? Oh, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's, I mean, and I, and I, you know, Jonty's three and a half. Like we had a puppy not that long ago, but you're so quick to forget. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, uh, uh, how, you know, Jonty pretty much slots into our lives really easily now. We've got a, a bit of a way of working, a routine. You know, he's got his sensitivities that we manage and we support him with. But, you know, on the whole day to day is pretty easy going. Whereas puppy comes in as a, completely new entity and no matter how much you plan or you set aside time or whatever it is there's always different things and it's you know the biting hurts when you don't get it right the mouthing you know the the toilet training and making sure you're vigilant and all this sort of thing and being very aware it it really takes you by surprise it really, mm -hmm. really does and, and and anybody that says that and of course we've got adolescents to come you know, and that that's going to be <laughs> everybody. When when I mention adolescents, everybody raises an eyebrow. You know that that's just the response we get from adolescents. Um, so yeah, it's uh, anybody that, that I think says that puppy puppy or developing or supporting a puppy through their development is easy. I I I think they're they're maybe telling a bit of a bluff. It might not. Oh, be forgot. Oh, no, like you say, they might have forgotten because. Because we do look back on rose-tinted glasses and kind of like, you forget about all the bad stuff, which is quite good, or hopefully most of the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, yeah, the, the time with, with puppies is, is hard. And I suppose if we're talking about human behaviour change, because that's what we are talking about, yeah. um, when, when we get a puppy, it's, it is a bit like being chucked in the deep end for a lot of people. Um, and people like me and you, we might have um, knowledge and understanding that's really fluent, and so we can still practice it, even though it is hard, uh, you know, to do that. We, we find it really easy and fluent, whereas a lot of people will, will, will be like being hit by a bus with the amount that they, they change their daily habits uh, to have this puppy fit in. And it's not just for a, a short period of time. It's, it's a while before we get really stable, uh, predictable, reliable behaviors. And sometimes with a bunch of challenges in the middle of it as well, like you were saying with adolescence, mm. which I find... Um, I just find it's like you see it in some people when they come to classes, you just see it in their faces, and you're just like, "It's all right, I'm here." <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I'll catch you. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have conversations with our clients in puppy classes all the time of how you how you feel, like checking in with them, like how we emotionally, how are you feeling, you know, because some of the puppies might not be, you know, one of Rojo's real benefits is he sleeps he sleeps a whole night through. And he has done from really early on. So that sleepless night phase, we didn't really get that um, 
you know, and, and, and he was last in the night for not needing the loo and all that sort of thing, which was just brilliant. Um, but sometimes just the importance of checking in with the person going, how are you feeling? You know, where are you at in terms of if I give you information right now, is now a good time to start giving you information or not? Can you receive it? Do you just, you know, if you had a bit of a tough time and do you just need to use our puppy coaching class just as a, a way of reconnecting? Just spend some nice time. Just do something nice when you're just getting eaten at home. You know, you're just getting ragged at the whole time. You know, it, it, it's it's important. And I think now what I, I like, and this is why this topic that we're going to talk about is so important, is as a, as a, as a professional, we have to be able to support both ends of the lead. It's not enough for us now just to go, I'm a really good dog trainer. It's not enough, you know, to, to, to give full support to, to all involved. We have, you know, that classic saying of being able to support both ends of the lead, you know, gone are the days where I suppose to mention people like Barbara Woodhouse would be a classic one to, to remember of, you know, what she could get dogs to do and what she was te- very robotically teaching people to do certain things with their dogs with no consideration about what the person was thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure like us, you you know, we talk about ethics and values and people and having find an alignment with a with a professional. And hopefully that's going to be me or you or someone within the reward based community. Um might not always be, but you know, it's about finding that connection and, and feeling that connection with someone too. So in terms of obviously you you've from talking to you um about tonight the 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 conversation we're going to talk about sounds like you've you've sort of delved deeper than most into what it takes to change the human mindset or to make meaningful changes as a as a trainer you're probably asking your clients to do certain things in different ways sounds like you've looked into models research that have gone on um to actually be able to do that really effectively so I'm going to be really quiet because I'm fascinated to to know what it is you're going to talk about and then we'll we'll pick it up as we go so give us you know what made you do it where has it all come from give us the rundown so in in uh, the BSC we started having a module which was it was called uh, the human factor in canine behavior and training so it was a whole module that was dedicated to uh, essentially starting going you're not a counselor but it's going to feel like that. Yeah. And we have to have an understanding of how and why the, the person's feeling what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing. Um, and so here are some models that we're going to show you uh, that we, we put, you know, look at that might be beneficial for you in, in the world of dogs. Uh, go away, write an essay about it. I'll just go away, but uh, write an essay about it and uh, understand them essentially and see if there's any value to them. Um, and so I loved it because it like, there's been several trainers that I've watched and admired as well who are observant of of individuals and even from my first early um, APDT instructors courses we talk about adapting for the individual that's in front of you so the exercise can be adapted Um, and so there was there was a couple of models that really just grabbed my attention and a lot of the things at university when you when you when you kind of read about them and write about them they don't really have value until they become um uh, utilized or you see an opportunity for utilization in 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 day-to-day practice and so uh, there was definitely a lot of coaching skills and you know verbal, verbalization or how, how I which vocabulary I use that that's really helpful for me to but these specific models were, were, were fascinating to me because I'm like whoa like we nerd out about why and how dogs do what they do um, and there's a whole plethora of people who've gone well why do people do what they do mm-hmm. um, and you know it's it's interesting so the one which first grabbed me was called the trans theoretical model of uh, behavior change by a couple uh, of scientists one called Prochaska and Di Clemente and in the sort of 90s and, and 2000s they were trying to understand is there specific stages that people go through um, that we can sort of observe and see and what happens to them in those stages um in in they kind of go from uh the point of view mainly looking at humans who are changing their behavior from smoking or 
alcoholism or um, weight loss. These are very typical human behavior changes that we want to, to make changes for. But they, they've seen it being used in, in a lot of um, behavior change. And, and for me, I always look at it from the point of view of uh, where is my uh, client at and what change do we want to make? and which part of the journey are they on uh, to, to make the change. So with the first stage, it's called pre-contemplation. Now, um, there was a dentist who was speaking to me about this and he goes, if I see that somebody's been smoking and I say to them, would you like to talk about um, stopping smoking? And if they go, nope, uh, he goes, here's a pamphlet, goodbye. Uh, and if they go, well, actually, I've been thinking about it, those people in contemplation, so I'll get there in a second. But pre-contemplation is, don't see a problem so I ain't going to change a behavior um, and we can see it all the time with people that we talk to and in the past when I was first starting with dog training I was very much of, this, of the mindset that I can support anybody I can change anybody's mind or, or I can support anybody to change their behavior to have a better time with the dog because the dog doesn't need to be pulling that much on the leader or oh, that dog's showing like it's pretty anxious and stuff like that but if the person doesn't see that there's an issue they're in pre-contemplation it's almost like if you try and start talking to them, if anything, it's probably going to be, you know, what the hell are you talking to me this about? This is really just going to like disconnect me from, from you. So we don't, we don't see people come to us with that because they're in, in, in further stages down the line, but we can observe people who are in this. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. We can, if we see somebody who comes for like a sport and we can see that they have, have issues that we would believe should be addressed we can ask questions that makes them start to think about it and yeah. um, but but that's just idea drops that kind of helps them think about oh, maybe and then they go to contemplation so the next stage on is i think i've got a problem here i think something's something's not right here um, and you'll see them de delib uh, deliberating it and often the, 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 the stage and switches between the stage are really quite um, reflective. Um, you know, they're, they're thinking about how much effort is going to have to go in to, to change my stage. We don't think about this consciously, by the way. It's all very kind of like uh, until we get practice with this model, you, you just everybody does it, but they don't realize that they're doing it. Okay. Um, and so they can start thinking, I've got a problem what would be what would be the next thing to do and that leads you to preparation in preparation that's when you start getting people going i better look who's around uh, dog trainers uh, that i need to speak to and you'll see people staying in preparation for for the, it varies in time but I, i've seen people who are i've prepared now i need you instantly right we've got to get to action because there's like a bite happened or something like that but you get some people who are like uh, i'm going to look at all the different dog trainers in the area i'm going to ask questions so if we have a phone call about it i i've spoken to lou about this a little bit and and if you hear that they're kind of like um and ahhing they're not ready for action so you allow them to, to stay in preparation and you really give them time to talk because the more you can open this up to them to to think about what it is that they're, where, where they're up to what the problem is what they'd like to happen um, the the better it will be for them to be able to naturally move to action as opposed to us going right when you're booking in with us and they just go oh i'm not ready yet. i need to go and ask the husband or uh, speak to the wife or I need to look at this other other trainer and um uh, and so on and so forth so again knowing in our mind that whilst we may be able to offer a service or we might have when we, uh, something that we think could help them, they might not be ready for action yet. Mm. So having that peace of mind in ourselves to go, where do we think the person's at? They're at preparation, not ready for action yet. Cool. Have we given them enough information to know who we are and that they can come back if they need us? And when they're ready for action, we can be here to support them. So for me, that is really important because it allows for um, and a, a nice dialogue between where the person was. I didn't feel like I was being pushed into anything. I didn't feel like I was being egged on mm. when, when it, essentially they didn't know this, but they're just like, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still deciding on what I'm going to do. Um, and then you get the, the, the action stage. And that is simply doing the behavior change. So for those that are cutting out alcohol, it's it's a case of you know how do I manage my you know current situation? It's mad. There's some there's some bits in here which are just like dogs, which is you know reinforcement management, which is basically 
what am I currently getting reinforced for? What, do I, what would I prefer to do? And it's like, it sounds very, very similar um, to, to the way that we look at behaviors with our dogs um, and, and, and then sort of practicing the new, uh, the, the new behavior. Uh, action is, is probably one of the more reinforcing when we get it right, because the, the learner can really sort of see the changes and you know, they, can, they can delve there. But when it comes to habit formation and change, we need to be considering about um, how long do they need to stay in action for? Because that's effortful, full of effort to spend time uh, doing the new thing. It isn't easy when we do new things. We're always spending uh, our time, our energy, our thought process, uh, sort of like abilities to be able to go, I'm doing the new thing. I'm not completely rehearsed at this. Um, and, and so if I see a person in action, uh, that for me, it's all a case of keep the motivation going, keep them uh, feeling motivated by uh, support by me um, and hope that they get to the, the last stage, which is maintenance. So for those that are, uh, you know, cutting out alcohol or cutting out smoking, it's a case of, you know, it's been a year since I last smoked and I'm still doing the good thing um, with the benefits that come with it. Because again, when there's effort, there has to be a payoff um, for, for spending that effort. And maintenance can can is, is essentially a, an almost forever thing with some things. Uh, it's just about how much effort is involved in maintaining uh, the, the behavior change. Now, for me, exercise is one of those things where I often think about, I used to be able to run the Great North Run, so I would go through a bit. I'd go through a whole uh, transtheoretical model of behavior change to get ready for um, the Great North Run. And I uh, think oh, I'm going to do it. Uh, I prepare for it. I sign up and I buy me shoes and I get me bits and bobs. I go and do the action. And, um, and then once I've done the action, all right, you're all right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> For the last, I have to say, Nathan, I think for the last 30 seconds, most of us that were watching were probably paying attention to your dog that was playing in the background. Hands down. Why, why look at the monkey when the when the canine's far more interesting? But that facial expression when you just said, Aaron, he went, yeah, what? What of it? What of it? Should we give, it, give a finished cue? Good dog. Um, and so, yeah, eventually I'll run. I'll go, I'll do the running. The action happens. And then I get to the, the length of, of distance of, of half, a, half a marathon. And if I don't maintain that and I want to do the Great North Run next year, obviously the behavior isn't going to stay there, which leads me to the final point, which is relapse. And relapse can happen on any of these stages at any point. Right. And so you could be in, oh, there might be a problem. And then, boosh, not a problem. Not a problem. No, actually, no. Biting, biting other dogs, that's absolutely fine. You know, and it's like, or it's not a problem to me because it's their fault. You know, whatever other human sort of ways we look to protect ourselves and kind of look after ourselves, we can we can slide back down. And the same thing is we might have had somebody who's got all the way to action. They're working with us and they're training with us. And um, that they're, they're getting some uh, sort of like step towards where they want to go to. Bush all the way back down to, I think there's a problem, but I don't know. don't know how to, how to actually deal with this. And so when I, when I work with... Uh, clients and like you will do for a prolonged period of time and um, I'm, I'm mindful and it's it's a diagnostic tool which I use kind of like really passively now in my mind to kind of go where are this where they, they're up to and one of the other massive uh, issues with this is the fact that if you have a couple or a family different family members might be at different stages of behavior change at the same time. And so you're there just going, right, well, I'm supporting this person in action, but this person's still pre like preparing to think about actually doing the work. Um, and so when they get to action, we might be halfway through our, you know, block of what we're doing and, and how do I maintain, you know, their motivation when they get there and I'm not around to support. So is there ways of, of supporting that is low effort to us, but um, payback to them to, to keep going uh, later on. So um, we have a couple of ways of, of thinking about how we, how we use this with people. And it's quite nice because when you start thinking about it more, you can actually look at yourself and reflect on yourself and kind of go, oh, wow, I've just been pondering about it for a while. Actually, let's get into action. And it can be really helpful to shunt, shunt you on for the way and, and forwards. But we have this thing on a, um, 
on a Friday, which I haven't been able to do for a little while because I've just been so busy, where I would go to a coffee shop and I'd just drop a message out to say, if anybody needs to chat about dogs, come and see us for an hour and we'll talk about it. And what's lovely is the people that often come along are contemplation. They haven't even prepared to change their behavior. They just think they've got a problem and they don't know. And so they would come along and they would talk to me and I would just give them time to talk often. It's a case of what's up, tell me. Um, and you'll see them literally talk through that issue and go, I need to do something about this. And you just see it right in front of you going, you've shifted into preparation. Fantastic. Yeah. Hello, I'm here. How can I help you? Absolutely. Um, and so by having the right environment set up for reflection or for um, support to be given, um, it allows people to naturally move from one to another um, and and yes relapse the heart because you know we as trainers can get really disheartened by it because we're like you were working so hard now this last week you've clearly done now yeah. but it's a case of it's very natural it's very normal for us to kind of go either it's too much effort right now and i don't have that in the tank and so they can drop back and you go cool it's fine i know where you are you've dropped back down to preparation you kind of you haven't really done much action this week, but you're thinking about it. And you, can we help you prepare nicely so that you can shift to it next week and stuff like that? Um, so, so this model is, you know, it's just something that I, I don't live by to to such a degree that you know I write it down in my notes about where people are up to, but I use it as 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 a diagnostic tool and stuff like that to just affect how I. Um, support uh, people that I'm working with and kind of have an idea of mentally where they're going to be and also allow me that little bit of break um, when when I see somebody who's gone to back to contemplation or or is is, is pre-contemplative I don't actually spend too much time on it I don't kind of waste too much energy where previously I may have spent a bit too much of my energy trying to convince them that they should do something about something that they don't see as an issue and it saves me it saves me it saves me sort of energy and sort of time so these things are quite nice and helpful to it's fascinating so so just remind me so we've got pre-contemplation which is the, Don't see a there, problem. there is a problem but they're not necessarily recognizing it yep and 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 i think each of us listening watching whatever can reflect on maybe one area of our lives with or without our dogs massively that there is there is a problem, but maybe we're not ready to deal with it. Or we I'm don't. currently not exercising, and I would very much like to. Yeah, I'm kind of drifting to pre-contemplation a lot. Absolutely. So pre-contemplation goes into contemplation. So contemplation is that recognition now, recognition that there is an issue. I'd quite like to do something about it. Am I? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. There's an issue. Hmm. Uh, oh, that's that's problematic. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a concept of thinking about it and you can look at readiness to to progress and yeah the, 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 the wondering what's the best way to kind of look to change this and then preparation is getting ready to change so yeah so, so it might be reaching out to a trainer might be gathering some information watching some youtube tiktok yeah. you know, you're actually seeking information but not at that next stage where you're taking action yeah so so actually to 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 put this into context for me then so um like hopefully i don't know like lots of people lots of people i put on quite a lot of weight through the lockdowns um got into a bit of body image challenge but didn't want to face it you know just stop looking at myself in the mirror hiding from it and then went into actually i got to do something about this and thought for a long period of time, I need to do something about this. And then opened up to Tam about it. We found a trainer, got into action stage. And actually, do you know what? I've been through the whole lot because now I'm in relapse because I stopped seeing the trainer and <laughs> things have gone backwards. Um, so yeah, I, I can, you know, I can see, and I think it's an easy tool for us to understand in ourselves and be kind to ourselves at understanding which stage we're at and know that there are I suppose there are life events and things that are sometimes beyond our control that shift where we are at any given point in, exactly in, that, in that sequence is that is am I, am I along am I along the right lines that's exactly right and your point about um the wider uh, picture affecting 
our behavior changes so true and also when we talk about self-reflection to go through the different stages we also have uh, our support network networks nearby to to help out so they may have talked about it from um the point of view of you know uh, alcohol or whatever and so you would speak to your boss and say look i'm cutting it out i might be a bit uh, struggling a bit in the next couple of weeks uh, but it's going to get me to a better place and you can see support there uh, talking to your spouse and sort of saying I'd like to do this and then they create oh I found this number for you so they help mm. you get into preparation um, and so when we have a, a supportive network we can help shift through these stages uh, in different fashions one of the limitations of this um, this model is that it isn't utterly clear on the which which stages are you transitioning to but we can often see the clarity of when we really are in one or not yeah. um and so for me um some of these vaguenesses about uh, the transitions uh, between one to other um and the support that's around it that's just the muddiness that comes with life and, and mm. the complexity of our human behavior but yes having having sort of that uh, other other support helps us transition from one to the other and yeah. So I suppose a useful exercise for people to do would be to reflect on an area of their life that may be... So to be able to reflect on it and recognise it as a problem, you have to be in contemplation stage anyway. Yeah. Um, and consider about what is the next stage. So obviously for everybody watching, it could be completely unique and completely individual about what they're contemplating yeah. changing. Yeah. But it would be useful, I suppose, for people to just sit and just think, well, what's what do I need to do to get myself to the next stage? Or what does the next stage look like? Or we could even look at it from uh, our canine point of view, right? So we might look at behavioral uh, struggles that our dogs are having and go, what is the behavioral struggle that I would like to help them overcome? Mm. Um what do I need to go through as my behavior change? Because this is where I talk about like the human comes before the dog. Mm. So you might go, I'm contemplative about, um, about aggression or uh, contemplative about um, attention seeking, whatever it is. Um, and, and I'd like the dog to change. But for me, they have to then go, all right, what happens to make that happen? Well, in my preparation stage, yes, getting in touch with the with the dog trainer is going to happen. But actually, the action stage is you getting new skills, new uh, you know mechanisms of being able to support the dog to to change their behaviour. Mm. Now, this one is probably very applicable to uh, this one isn't only applicable to humans because we can't think about the cognition that the dogs are going through. But we can look from our we can then look at our models of, of canine behaviour change that that helps us to go. Where's their fluency up to? Um, sort of are they in maintenance of their of their new behavior? Um, and and look at it from from a different point. So our action is to change our behavior to then support them starting their behavior change. Um, and that that way we can you know buy the rewards, get the get the uh, the toys that the the dog actually might want to work with, not the ones that we've been trying that they can make them work with for such a while. Okay, now we'll have a better chance of supporting the dog to make uh, to make the the right decisions or the decisions that we would hope that they make. Um, and so, um, yeah, each time you can look at it and go right, loose lead walking. What is that I need for this one? What is that I need for for that one? And so you can go through these and eventually. Uh, we uh, can get to the point of being just in maintenance. So me and you will be at maintenance on our leash skills and our, um, you know, treat delivery timing or our, our reward placement. These things are just in maintenance. So we went from not having the skills and we changed the behavior as we learned and we you know, did, did action of, of going to courses and webinars and seminars and stuff like that. Um, and, and then we sit in maintenance of just like, wow, it's just flows. It's just easy. It maintains the reinforcement of the dog is able to respond the way that we expect them to, et cetera. But the people who are our clients, they're still in the midst of going, right, when my right hand goes here and you know, this goes there and you're like, yeah, it's okay. Don't worry. You can do it. I can support you through this bit until you get the maintenance. And then you see, people and this is this is fascinating because habits that's essentially what we're looking for is like <coughs> fluency of behaviors you're all right just a cough good 
uh, we're looking for them to have habits and fluency of their behavior. So they're not really thinking about it anymore. They're their effort pay that they're putting out to maintain the behavior of the, the dog's new behavior uh, is, is, is low spend so that they can do it. And so for me, it's, it's, it's like I'll watch on like a six week course because for a while it was like a new habit could be formed in 21 days. And it's not necessarily that at all. It's, it's like those piece of research that came out that said between 18 and 200 and something days to form a new habit and uh and so for me i'll be looking on a six-week course going oh, okay the delivery is getting a little bit better oh wow they're really fluent over there on this bit of it but with the complexity of dog training we're like the leash handling is amazing but the treat delivery is awful, awful um and so eventually oh that treat delivery is getting better but is it habitual now is it really easy and flowing and so i'll i'll think actually and this is quite a nice little segue to the second uh, behavior model change uh, that I, re- I got a proper like science crush on this guy um, he's called Dr. Elliot Berkman and he came up with a model called the will and the way and what was important about this one is in um, the trans-theoretical model of behavior change you look at all the stages that you're going through whereas uh, the will and the way thinks about uh, the will is the motivation Okay, so we might actually just be looking at this in the action stage. You can kind of look at it in, in uh, preparation as well, maybe a bit in maintenance. Um, and then you've also got the way, which is the how. How do I do it? So some people, like me and you know, if we would like to be fit, we know what to do. We put on our shoes, we go for a run, okay? We get out, we do the things. And so when our, some of our clients have come to our stuff, they're like, I know what to do. I click a reward here or I throw the toy here or whatever it is that we're, we're, we're asking them to do. We set up the, the free work. That's a great note, one that we can now start putting in. Um, but sometimes the motivation is really important. Um, and so the way, uh, the will, sorry, is what we need to do. How can we support the will to maintain that, that, that behavior change? Um, and so for me, when I looked at this, I was like, oh, okay, nice. It's a bit different. You got to think about uh, what mo- what's motivating uh, my clients. And um, we can often look at why. Why do you want the dog to walk on a loose lead? And they're like, oh, so they don't pull me over. It's like, okay, so you can say, why do, why do you not want them to pull you over? I don't want to get hurt. Okay, why do you want the dog to walk on a loose lead? Well, they need to exercise. Okay. Do they have to exercise on a lead? Um, and so we can we can look at the, the motivation to uh, support the animal going, well, now actually they don't need to be on the lead to exercise. Brilliant, right? So can we get them to exercise without the leader first? And then when we've met the MO of, of, of exercise, can we then um, start supporting them to learn how to walk politely on a lead then? Um, and the person might go, all right, no, wow, I haven't thought about that. I feel a bit more motivated now that I don't have the aversive sort of time of the dog pulling me over mm. to then actually go, I can train them then because they, they're a bit more uh, sort of like calmer or they've had a bit of that motivation of running the, the exercise that they want to do rather than being at school with the person uh, sort of met. So the dog's a lot more uh, capable of kind of going, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get involved in this. So if we change the motivation ever so slightly, uh, we can now get back to oh well I know how to do it so I can I can now perform the behavior of um of of, of click reward for being next to you or whatever it is uh, and 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 so this way we can also look at some of the other motivators um that that often there's a crux to it so uh, Berkman would go upwards so it's like I, I need to lose weight because the doctor told me to it's like mm, not a great motivator is it and it's a bit like uh, I've got to train my dog because my dog trainer told us to it's very similar it's like well why so you know you say well I want to live longer I don't want to die early okay well why do you want to live longer it's okay so I want to spend more time with my kids okay now we're starting to look at core values of, of of what is you know wanting to keep your life that might be more motivating spending more time with your dog uh, with the kids oops, uh, might be uh, more motivating to get you to go and do the the how of of exercise um so when you're going to the gym you're thinking about the extra days and years that you might get with your kids now all right i'm going i'm going to the gym yeah rather than just because the dog uh, the doctor told me to and the same thing with our dog uh, and, the, and the client's dogs um why do you want them to to not be as anxious 
um, you know, why do you want to use this methodology? You know, it's like we can meet the heart as well as the head and get them to start thinking about, well, I prefer to work in this way with a dog. Um, you know, why is that? It meets my core values of how I want to treat and respect animals. Yeah. Um, cool, right, okay, right. Have you thought about ACE? <laughs> what is ACE? Okay, let's go to a how. Um, so how you do it. So you want the dogs to come down. So slow vember is a great example of it. And yeah. uh, it's a great way to segue into it. Um, so we want to slow the dogs down. Why? Because it can help adrenaline levels. It can help them process the world, help them cope with things better. Um, how? ACE. Okay. Where's an actionable stop, step on ACE? Put some surfaces out. You, you'll be better at this than me. Uh, or Luke will be because she's done more ACE courses. Uh, and different surfaces, different textures, different uh, pieces all this way. And so where previously people might have been like, why am I doing this? I don't get it. Well, we've met that with a why. And if we go back to the trans-theoretical model of change, it allows our action stage to stay a lot more valuable and motivated. And, and then we can start to see all oh, the dogs showing us, you know, that the karma after uh, a free work session, uh, our dogs showing, you know, the results of this. I think I'll keep it in. We'll do that once a week. Maintenance, brilliant, lovely. How it goes? Oh, he loves his free work once a week. We get it out twice a week, whatever they do, whatever the maintenance is for those people. Uh, and and so you go, brilliant. Isn't that amazing that you've managed to meet that um, core value of uh, support the dog in a different way um, to, to perform behaviors that are helpful to the animal and therefore your life as well? Mm. That makes sense. So much interest for me in in this because actually what you're what you're talking about is in terms of motivator most of the time the motivator is some sort of emotional connection to something it it's not just like you said if the doctor says you need to i had i had um a conversation with a client they said oh the vet said that the dog's got to lose two, two kilos by february I said, well, why February? He says, well, that's the next checkup. So the the motivator, tangible as it might be, is that 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 they're going to go back and see the vet. And the vet gets judged. Dog's going to move two kilos. And then I was thinking, well, okay, but if the if the vet said, you know, by losing two that by the dog losing two kilos, it can join you on this walk for longer. It, you know, it's going to help with relieving the possibility of pain and all this sort of thing actually that emotional that deep rooted emotional connection you have with your animal wouldn't it mean so much more if it was coming from that place so rather than just going you got to do it and, and and i think you know we can go back to maybe our school days or certain things that you know this whole we're being told to do this and do that or whatever and actually that rejection of that information because it's got no value to me whatsoever because it's just what I'm being told to do. I've got to, you know, wear these, I've got to wear shoes instead of trainers to school because school told me to, not because actually it helps people feel more comfortable because we're all the same. No one's excluded. There's no trainer wars of you've got better trainers than me. It creates cohesion or all this other stuff. And I'm sure there will be people that have a conflicting view of that. And that's absolutely fine. But that that motivator to do it that is more deep rooted in a core value or in an understanding is is always going to win through. And I think for people to and and I suppose sometimes the responsibility is on us individually to go, well, yes, I'm being told to do it. That person, let's take the vet or the doctor for whatever, might not have the time to actually explain to us the why. So there might be a bit of searching for us for ourselves of well, let's find what what is going to be our genuine motivator for things like losing weight, not getting you know not pulling on the lead, you know pulling on the lead, not pulling on the lead. Well, we both have a nicer walk because we don't get stressed out by it. That's more meaningful than you know the, the safety aspect is important. Uh, don't get me wrong, but the fact that I can enjoy my walk now because the dog's walking nicely with me, and people say you know that extrinsically reinforcing thing of someone saying well look how nicely your dog's walking on a lead and I, and I had that from a client not so long ago he's he wanted to walk around the harbour side in Bristol and he was able to achieve it through the work that he did and how he supported him and then he had someone say to him 
oh, your dog's brilliant on a lead. And he'd never had that. He'd never, never had that. He's, he'd always felt that he'd be the one that had the dog that pulled like a train. Mm-hmm. And that, that and he, he, he'd sent me a video. He sent me a WhatsApp going, Matt, this has just happened. This person just told me this. And and we, and we still and he still talks about it now. And that reference point for him, mm. that marker of, mm. okay, so we might have a bad day, but I still had this happen. So that means I'm going to go. I'm I'm, I'm going to get back to it again. It's going to happen again because if it happens once, it will happen again. And I can see that in what you're saying with these models of, you know, that it has to mean something to to actually genuinely make a change. It has to mean something to me. Not just in my head, but you said it. Not just in my head, but in my heart too. And and this is like I I very much believed at the beginning of of my journey that you you train a dog and it's trained, you know, done. And it's not. It's it's like we know behavior is constantly in flux. And and same with our physical health. But let's keep it keep it on dogs for a second. Um, their behavior is constantly changing. Um, and having different sort of histories to it and well the history is like this one but it's constantly been added to and affected and changed and so on and so sometimes when we have somebody say oh why do i have to keep you know paying the dog for recall i'm like well if we think about it they're, they're gonna get some sort of reward from the the environment sometimes if we don't maintain it now don't get me wrong you can get some dogs who are uh, are maintained through the rush of running back to you they can have a tertiary reinforcement of so much fun to do that behavior but uh, for me it's a case of if we can find the the why of why we were going to maintain the reinforcement it's you know then we can get a dog who uh, who maintains the behavior the person feels less like oh I'm, I'm desperate to have had them trained and done and the person that feels so much more easier kind of going cool well done dog for coming back and <laughs> it's like it's not hard Um, but we have a lot of uh previous learning and and social expectations upon it that it is trained and so again looking at our whys and like the the easy one that people use which i feel is that i I probably use as well which is like your boss stop being you you'd stop coming to work we use it but actually it's not it's not great for kind of going oh yeah no that that'll be really bad if i stop because we're going to maintain the behavior of the dog uh, through the application of, of giving the reward more uh, as they as they continue to do it and uh, the behavior will stay just as strong so you can feel just as uh, assured that the recall is going to be reliable or whatever you know and then they can go oh yeah dog comes back to me reliably nice that feels good that feels more like you know my dog's going to be safe and um, i'm going to feel in uh, control um, and and you know we can go to certain environments and, and it'd be predictable mm-hmm. so Having that, um, having that in your locker to, to, to keep testing it, it's a, bit, it's a bit like I am with the quadrants. I only look at it kind of to reference um, what is actually happening. Um, and it's the same kind of thing. It's like I look at it and I think, oh, actually, I've not really checked in on this person and their motivation is to get it done. <laughs> it's like, uh, is, any, is there any reframe in there that I can give to, to, to make it more, to continue playing to keep your connection to you know uh, push them uh, in in a, in a i don't know to an, another level uh, that makes them go striving for it because aspirational motivations and goal setting is is one of the the sort of like key ways that we can we can have people motivated but um there's there's a bunch of other uh, motivations we can look at from people like your your gentleman we would we would talk about that as a status motivation so my dog walks so politely oh, i've got a high paying job blah 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 look at my position and okay. that motivates people through aspiration to, to to keep working hard at work but with our dogs it's a case of yeah look at how good he is yeah. and actually I, I had a sneaky moment of as well where i was sat in my van and i saw somebody walk past and the dog was just walking to life for you on a lead I, I took a collar as well so and I, I do use hands but for this person they were like i'd love it if they could just walk on a collar yeah. nice and loose on the lead and stuff and i looked at this dog and i was like oh that's nice somebody even found at the time i wasn't just talking to myself <laughs> Although that, happens, that happens quite yeah <laughs> more than i'd like to admit <laughs> it's like look at that dog nobody here um, <laughs> and it was like look oh there's not loose leave oh that was one of my clients <laughs> 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 she got it she got it she got this she, she, when i left her she was on maintenance of um you know 
harness in a, in a color and uh, they were up to certain sort of like criteria and it was getting better and they'd gone for walks in, in national parks and stuff like this, or uh, the National Trust. Uh, and it was good, but they're still rewarding, but they wanted to get to this certain place. And, and then I see them and they got there. And I was like, man, that must have felt mint at some point when she realized you know, that they'd, they'd attained the goal that they were, they were reaching for. Um, and clearly walking next to the person has maintained it. So, or, or it's become habitual enough that the dog, you know, is, is maintained to, to whatever way. But they, yeah. So I think a lot, obviously, with our focus on, on this being information for, for guardians, caregivers, um, and not always professionals, although this is a, a really important topic, I feel, for professionals to understand more about um, supporting the person with the change. I just want to I just want to try and pull everything together from what you what you've spoken about in a way that people can take away from it because you've given so much brilliant information. So in terms of the first behavior model you you spoke about and the name of the person that came up with it is, escapes me but we've got pre-contemplation contemplation preparation action maintenance relapse Brilliant, mother. Yeah. Okay. So, I, and I think, you know, like we spoke about reflection on where you are in those things with different elements of your life or different elements with your dog is really important to understand. And I think no matter, and, and this is where it's really important, doesn't matter whether you're, the methodology you're, you're taking in supporting your dog or whatever it is you want to change, it, it's a relevant thing. That, that, yeah. that thought, that process in your head where you are is, is yeah. important. So, and then, supporting whether it's external people that support you with the change or whether you're able to reflect internally and take steps to move yourself on i think that's a really important thing to to consider because like you said most of the time from a professional point of view we're working with one person in a multi-person household and the the complexities of all people being in different places and, and we hear it all the time don't we you know i'm here I've brought my dog, to, well, brought our dog to you because I think there's an issue. And you think, well, okay, how about everybody, you know, where's everybody else in the house? Oh, well, he doesn't really mind if that happens or no, he, he's not really, or they're not really engaged with what's going on quite so much, you know, and, and you hear that and you go, okay, well, we're never all going to be in the same place at the same time. That's a given, but are we moving forward some way in that process? I really like that. And then the second from what I understand from the second model that you were talking about was the, the motivation around that connection of what's meaningful to you to want to change it. Am, am I right in thinking that? Yeah. So the will is that that's the motivation and the way is here are the, the skills. So if you'd never learned how to run before that, that's that, yeah. 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 Let's, let's say distance running, you learn how to do that activity. And then now you've got the how, you maintain the, the, the will as well. You can keep them both going. So a lot of the time people come to classes because they're like, I've got to go to puppy classes. So they come for the how, but they have no will whatsoever. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, great, you've got some knowledge, but you're no reason to change it. Yeah. Um, but it could be the other way around. Some people can come with like all the will in the world. I want to change this. I'm ready. I'm going to do it. And they're like, I don't know the how. Yeah. So, so teach me the how and I will match it to my motivation. And then we get, we get a more like, we get a greater likelihood of somebody who's ready to kind of move forwards with, with, you know, helping their dog uh, moving forwards. Yeah. So yeah, thinking about both of them and from, uh, uh, the, from a client's point of view or from an audience, audience member who's not a, a trained point of view, uh, being ready to, to go in and ask for the how um, and having clarity of, of, of what the how is so they can be really clear going no it doesn't make sense can you go even smaller so that could be like down to actionable steps yep. that will make it so you're sometimes I know that I, I start to do an exercise and I'm like that's too much I've, I've gone too far mm. and so my how is too big it's like mm. You're going to diminish the will because they're like, I'm never going to be able to achieve that. Yeah. So instead, you 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 break it down to an actionable step, and they're like, right, my motivation's going, and I can do this tiny thing, and we can get going. And there's probably more about like starting and stuff like that, but uh, let's keep to these two today. Um. Uh. And so so for me, it's like 
when I've, when I've got that ability to, to match the, the motivation and give a good start point, we're really likely to build to, to a bigger how later on. So just don't rush, Nathan. That's why I actually, what I often say is, um, hang on, I've got Lou in my head. And she says, start with the first step. Don't go to three, three down the line. And it's really, really helpful. <laughs> it's good that you're there in your mind. Um, and it's like, now I'm just wondering why my hand's open. That's the will. Um, <laughs> so then what I can do is I can sometimes look at it and go, actually, we need to push this person's how on. And uh, they've got really, really good, but I'm starting to see their, their will starting to diminish because we can see this all the times with puppies. They come in and they come, I've got all the will, we're going to do it, let's do this. And then like four weeks down the line, they're like, can't, can't do it anymore. It's like, I know I've got to reward them when I go out. I'm like, okay, how can I support this person to feel motivated today to, to really get out back there and keep going with the way? It's like, right, I know you're going through adolescence and it's a brain soup moment. Yeah. Um, but so this for me, the will there is either reminding them of the maturities around the corner, mm. you know, uh, you've got a few more months, keep going, you'll see sort of the developmental stage appear and it might might start settle down. It's like depends six to twenty-four months. Um, but we we can we can support them with that motivation as in different ways to kind of go, you're almost to the to maturity. Um and and granted, when they get there, we can go, now it's a life thing, keep going. Um, but hopefully by that point, the 200 whatever days of habit forming has appeared and they're just doing it and looking after the dog. Um, and so for me, when I get that uh, that will diminishing, I look to ways to to support them to to keep going. And sometimes that can mean a break as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the study that was about uh, habit formation, they were like, if you miss a day, it's not in the world. I won't, that won't damage your habit formation. So it used to be like, you have to do your habitual thing every day until it becomes a habit. It's like, actually, if you miss it, as long as your overall long-term goal is, is kind of progressing forwards, then it will still form into a habit. So for me, looking at, at will being like, don't have to walk your dog today. You know, it, like if we're talking about Slovember, and they're going, I just don't have it in us to, yeah. to, to go and do that again. Uh, we can go, cool, it's all right. Just have a missed walk day. We can entertain them cognitive, cognitively in the house if we need to. Yeah. Free work, joyous. Yeah. Um, and, and so then they kind of go, thank the Lord for that. And um, they then get to, to sort of the next day that will is, is, is uh, come back. Although uh, Berkman doesn't believe that it's um, like a quantity of, of energy in that regards he okay. talked about linking things together which is very abc abc which i love because it, he's he's discussing that things move from one to another and so if you were driving home and you pass by a certain shop that you bought your your alcohol from he's like you're almost locked into it and mm. um, so if you change your route just for a while whilst you're changing your habit yeah. and you won't get you won't fall into the old habit so this can be something we can look at with our clients of what's setting you up, what's not, what's what's pulling you away from doing the thing. How can I support you? So going back to my how, how can I get you supported? And then they start getting the rewards again, which increases and emboldens their 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 way, uh, their, their will uh, to, to feel like actually I did it. And like you say, that's going to motivate me onwards to get more of that. Um, so for, for individuals using both models in, in just different times. So I think, I suppose the times when I use models is when I feel like something's not quite going where I want it to go. Um, if things are flowing and we probably are passing through these models naturally in, in, in our behavior change, um, it's more when things aren't going the way. So like you were saying about people self-reflecting and taking a moment. And this is where I like logging the, the journey as well, because you can be like, whoa, things went whoop. And it's like, how can, how can I get back to where I was? But um, only when, when, when I feel like things are going sideways do I need to go, let's, let's reflect, let's look at a different model to think about how I can get myself or my client back to where I want them to, to be, to move forwards. And then you kind of, allows you to just scratch your head and puzzle through it's that specifically. Um, so don't waste my energy on all this stuff or whatever to, to get to where I want to be. That makes sense? makes lots of sense lots for us to re reflect on um nathan it's been fascinating to have you join us um in slovember and on the dog dialogue um i'd love for you to come back um and uh share your passion with us because it, it 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 comes across as you know this is something that you're you're really interested in and really in tune with it and 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 a big conscious 
thing for you of making sure that you know as we were talking about before we started about the importance of supporting both ends of the lead um so thank you so much for giving us your time thank you so much for the work that you do um and how you do it because it just it seems fantastic and, and appreciated i'm sure by your clients that are lucky enough to work with you so if people are interested in getting in contact with you um and finding out more about you how can they do that uh suppose the doglog.co.uk uh, um there's numbers and emails on there uh, look at our facebook page um and other such stuff um and we'll be we'll be ready to have chats um and, and yeah just in general if I, if, I, if I can help just let us know but thank you so much for having me on what a delight uh, i love a good a good nerdy chat about it all so um yeah anytime you want us on the future aaron and i will be quite happy to come back amazing aaron's been a little star too um so everybody there will be um there is one more um talk to come i am just finalizing uh the the last little details on on that before i can post it live and there will be a wrap-up um and there will be a recap um for all the uh challenges that you've been taking part in through the month as well if you are in this november group if you are um in the uh listen to this through the dog dialogue it's now going to start going through a transformational stage of turning into what is going to be a proper podcast um so at the moment it's just been straight uploads from slovember um i am in the process of building it into um a proper podcast with interviews just like this but more concentrated just down into the dog dialogue so if you're in november and you haven't subscribed yet to the dog dialogue it's available on spotify and apple podcasts um so go and grab it there and make sure you're subscribing to get your updates and um once again nathan thank you so much for joining us and uh, please come back and see us and talk to us again soon nice to see you matt bye everybody